Blog Talk Radio. when we started wrestling um, the guys that that trained us told him like hey man listen don't take this the wrong way but you're a dime a dozen a girl like her who can work and who can make an impression is going to be way more valuable 
So don't take it personal when you don't get bookings, when you don't get noticed, when no one seems to care what you got to say. So for the longest period of professional wrestling, he was in my very long shadow. And I always kind of felt bad because wrestling wasn't my gig. That was his gig. But he wanted to do That's how he wanted to spend his time. And I always found it a little ironic, but I was like, well, I guess they were true. But when he had finally decided that, yeah, you know, maybe I need to be done, for somebody else to say, oh, yeah, but you still mattered because you were more than Cameron Starr's husband. You were still Brian Class. You still brought something to wrestling that wasn't just, you know, her. <laughs> that he definitely did. He helped a lot of people out over the years. He was very good to a lot of us. Uh, we do have one fan question I want to get to. Just make sure we get it in there. Marcus Fine, our longtime fan and uh, recent guest of the show, he said he wanted to make sure we let you know that he misses seeing you in action. And he says there's a lot of young wrestlers out there today that would benefit from you teaching them a little bit about what they need to know in the ring. So that comes from Marcus Fine. Oh, I miss Marcus, too. Marcus was one of those guys that was always, like, really, really great. Like, he came and photographed a lot of shows, like, and always polite, always had something nice to say. And, like, maybe now that I've been retired for six years, and that's, like, legit professional wrestler retirement. That's not, I'm, quote, retired, and I still wrestle two matches a year. No. Like, when I said I was done, I'm done. But, like, the things that that these, these girls can get out there and do now was because somebody like me had to really, really suffer and really, really work hard. And if I made any of those girls who are legit have any bit of an easier time, then I did what I was supposed to do. For sure. Now, some of those girls that uh, you helped pave the way for and you helped in their formative years are in spots that are on the national level. A lot of your former opponents went on to the big companies. When you see some of these opponents that you've had on television and they're doing well and they've got contracts, that make you proud because you know you had a little bit to do with that to help get them ready for that spot and if they hadn't have wrestled you and learned from you maybe they don't get quite to that level well so it's kind of like this right whenever you meet somebody like very early on like you know if they have the ability or not like and I always said you know like when a lot of these girls who got national contracts had started, I'd already been wrestling for like 10 years. So I already knew I was way older and that, you know, time was not on my side and that was okay. But a lot of what I told these girls was like, look, you have ability. Either be serious about it and work really hard and do what you need to do to get somewhere or stop fucking around and wasting my time because don't be shit and make me see you again. That'll piss me off. 
one girl in particular, I remember, like, it was her first match, and it was so god-awful. Like, it was bad, bad. And then when later she'd been training for about a year, she's like, I am so much better now, I promise. <laughs> like, well, you couldn't have gotten much worse. <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> but things like that. Or And then there's some people who, even if you contributed to their, a part of their career, they like to just say, oh, well, no, really, it started here. So these two or three years of stupid shit doesn't matter. Well, no, it all matters. Like, really, my thing is like, look, if if I had a conversation with you in a bathroom while we were getting ready and you were talking about, I don't even know if this is for me, and I tell you, look, either decide to do it and be great or don't. And that, And then you watch me wrestle, and then you decide you're going to be a part of the business. Cool. Well, don't downplay that conversation because that's a turning point. Some people will just never, ever recognize anybody, and that's fine, because I always think that the latter does work both ways, and it's a little harder coming back down. I didn't have to do that because I made the choice not to, and let's face it, wrestling in 2006, at the height of kind of like that whole, you better be a playboy model, wouldn't really worked out for me <laughs> at all. But, you know, like, again, if anything even contributed just a little itty-bitty bit, then that's what I'm supposed to do. That's how wrestling's supposed to work. It's not all I'm just going to get my shit in. I agree with you there 100%. One of the things that you have on your resume, I mentioned you were multiple... Hall of Fame member, you made it to the EWF Hall of Fame before the age of 30. You don't see a lot of people in the Hall of Fames in a short amount of time that you were starting to get inducted into them. That's how much of an impact you had in your area. A lot of people may not appreciate that as much as I definitely appreciate it, but you were getting in the Hall of Fames way ahead of the rest of your peers. What was it like the first time someone approached you and wanted to put you into their Hall of Fame and you weren't even 10 years into your career? Well, at first I was like, oh, well, that's cool. Thanks. And that that was then followed up by, are you trying to make me quit or something? Are you trying to hurt me? Like, is that what's happening? Because it's pro wrestling, right? It's always suspicious. <laughs> and that's kind of how I always worked. Like, so that's really nice. Thank you so much. I appreciate the honor. I tried to be quit. <laughs> which it was a whole thing because things were transitioning over, which I thought. But anybody who had experienced EWF when it was in Marion and working in that building with no heat and no air conditioning and the way it was, like, look, you had to just legitimately love professional wrestling. And at the time, when I was really making the trip to Marion quite frequently, there was a young girl that had been training that she had no one to really work with. And I thought, well, that's a shame because she has some talent. So I did what I could do to try to help her out. Like, she became, like, one of my first wrestling children that I just took around and, like, just tried to – book her out with me in different shows just so she could get other places. I was like, even if 
she doesn't make a career out of it. At least I could give her maybe something that she wouldn't see. So maybe I felt like just a little bit that that little plaque and that mention was like a thank you for taking my rookie under your wing when you didn't have to. <laughs> thank you for driving so far for very little money when you didn't have to. I mean, it was nice. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> I don't. I don't think at that age I was like, really? Am I done though? <laughs> really? Uh, one of the things that stands out for my own career, when I went into the HPW Hall of Fame, I didn't quite make the induction ceremony because I broke my face and they forced me to the hospital. My first match back after I recovered and was ready to go was, of course, against you. It was our second match in what still today is a two-match series. I know that was a kind of a big deal to get you in there and get you in place for that match and uh, have us do that for my big comeback, which I definitely appreciate. Can you tell us a little bit on what it was like in that atmosphere? Because that was a pretty emotional night on both sides of the curtain, as I recall it. I didn't really expect that or appreciate it going into it, but the fact I came back when a lot of people thought I was a goner kind of made it for a a very interesting atmosphere that night. What are your memories of it? Well, my thought was, okay, well, I got to go out here and be an asshole because that's what I'm paid to do, you know. And then I was like, I also want to take care of him because clearly – Clearly the worst, theoretically, has already happened. I can't let that be me, you know. So my theory was, hey, just just go out there and, like, just do what you do and make it entertaining and, you know, be be that person that says the wrong thing, which, you know, in real life me is totally what I do. <laughs> but I, I I understood, like, that. Again, it's not your place to always get your shit in. It's your place to take care of that other person. And, like, especially somebody who's come back from something that maybe people didn't think they could or they would. And, like, I had, like, some minor injuries wrestling, thank God. I didn't have too many major ones. But I knew that, like, the way it felt being like, okay, so now I got to wrestle for the first time in X amount of time. And, oh, my God, what if I get hurt again? What if? What if they think it's stupid? What if I'm shit? What if my body's so screwed up I can't do this anymore? And there's all that what if, what if, what if. And then, you know, for me, sometimes it, I didn't necessarily trust the individual across the ring from me in those situations. So I was like, God, I hope he trusts me. I'm pretty sure he does. So maybe that'll take some of the anxiety down. But like I said, I just wanted to ever – it was always a goal anyway, but especially that situation, I was like – we all need to get through this curtain and come back through the curtain, more or less the same that we did going out there. Like, that that's the best, most important thing. And then, you know, to just make fun of the concrete as much as humanly possible. That's true. That Ford never did recover. There's a dent in it to this very day. I know. I haven't been back there in many, 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 many years. 
I was talking to some guys that were just there in the last month. They confirmed there is still an actual dent where I landed. So hard-headed is not a work. <laughs> That's straight shoot. <laughs> It was a straight shoot. I thought the boys were ribbing for the longest of time until I actually saw the real dent in the floor where I hit. And uh, when you say you took care of me, I very much specifically requested you for that particular reason. I'm sure. Like, hey, he probably won't, like, legitimately hurt me. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I knew I was following. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> she, know, she, knows, she knows what a schoolboy is. We're cool. <laughs> yeah. Although, to be fair, the referee thought I had landed on my head on a suplex when I did not, and he was a little shaken, but everything was fine. Well, I always laughed because, like, some of – I always forgot that, like, maybe some of these people, like, got rushed just because I knew so many of them. Like, I was like, oh, have you ever seen me actually work before? And I know that's, like, something I'm tooting my own horn, but I'm going to for about, like, three minutes. So many, many times throughout the course of my career. You know, I come to shows early because that's what you do. You hang out. You kind of get loose, get used to whatever. And one of the guys that I kind of – cross paths with. We just never really ended up on the same page at the same time. And then we ended up kind of doing that. But he was like, man, I thought you were kind of fucking full of yourself and always talking shit like that you had anything to you. He's like, but we were working out because, you know, you just fuck around before the show, right? Sometimes. He was like, oh my God, I had no idea that you could do any of that because I've watched you I've watched your matches before, and they don't look like that. I said, yeah, no shit, because nobody else knows what the fuck they're doing. I have to take care of people. I can't do what I do. And I don't know, like, I feel like there were some referees that maybe didn't know that I can take care of people. Like, a lot of people also bought the hype that was Cameron's Tower. Like, she's going to hurt you. No. <laughs> like, it was never, ever my intent to intentionally go out and hurt somebody. But, you know, it was always, if you got stupid... I can also play that game. You don't really want to, and that would usually end pretty quickly because I was like, no, no, no. I'll put you on the gun. I don't give a shit. But I always kind of felt like unless people, like, trained with me, worked out with me before a show, or had, like, more than a 20-minute conversation with me, they didn't know who I really was. They just thought I was a loud mouth with an opinion. And who did bump okay. Now, not to disprove what you just said by any means, I never knew you to injure anyone or anything like that, but it's a common theme on this show, both from myself and from a metric crap ton of guests that we've had, whenever your name comes up, the phrase hardest forearm I ever took usually follows. Mm-hmm. Were you proud of the reputation of living up to the forearm ninja moniker? So, listen, and I think 
if we all could, you know, put ourselves back to that period of time when you would watch Girls Throw Strikes on national television, you're like, oh, my God, lay it in there, girl. Jesus Christ. Like, it was horrible. So I knew when I wanted to throw strikes that, A, I didn't want to hurt anybody, but, B, that I also wanted someone to go, yeah, no. And I was fortunate enough that I got to work with Nikki Knuckles for a period of time, and she's like, well, just just, just lay it in there. I'm going to lay it in there. As long as it's safe, we're cool. And I'm like, sweet. And that's probably like the first instance of like a female that I could do that with on a consistent basis that wasn't offended by it. And I generally tried to keep them to a minimum because I knew that I was swinging for the fences, but I was going to do it safe. Like, do you remember, and I want to say it was a tough enough thing where William Regal said, I'm going to hit you very, very hard, but I'm going to hit you in a safe place. That's kind of what I worked with. And any time, any dude who said, I swear to God, that girl over there hit me harder than any man or just as hard as any man I have been in the ring with, I'm like, yes. Fun facts. I was managing Brian in a tag match. And there were a couple of guys that had, you know, been national contract guys and now we're back on the indies. And one of them was discussing with the other. He's like, yo, that girl, I told her she had to fool on me in a match, right? And she said, okay, no problem. And I said, well, you got to really lay it in there. And she said, yeah, okay, no problem. And I kept on and on and on, and she just said, okay. And I was like, this girl is going to not do anything. And when the spot came, of course, I laid it in there. I remember he just looked at me, and I was like, did I piss him off? Is he legit mad? I'm going to back away. But he's like, this girl can throw a strike. And he's like, I really should have talked to you that way, but, you know, I'm like, I know, dude, it's cool. But I always found it funny that any dude was like, no, she'll hit you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I kind of, it kind of became a calling card, though. <laughs> We've been camera up to forearm you if you fuck up. Hey. <laughs> uh, to be fair, as someone that can speak to this, because I've been hit by both of you, I rank it yourself hardest, Miss Knuckles, second hardest I've ever been hit in my life. I think it's because I have bony forearms personal opinion could be although you taught me seeing stars was more than just a saying it actually literally <laughs> happened and then all these little twinkling stars became one large twinkling star that faded into the cameron star and then here comes the second one uh, i mean i've had that happen to me though but i remember this girl i was working with <laughs> She was left-handed, and I forgot. I was like, oh, no. Well, bam. Son of a bitch. (laughs) That does suck. I was just amazed it was an actual thing. I always just thought it was just a saying, but nope. Metaphorical. Yeah, yeah, you proved that to be an actual incident that can happen. Listen, like, I tried to, look, I know I have a hot temper as an individual, like, and, like, wrestling was one of those things that I was just like, look, it already gets made fun of, and 
people already shit all over it. Please don't make a fucking joke out of this. And this, I had to do this match, and the, the two girls were very inexperienced. And I told the other girl, I'm like, hey, just follow my lead. This is how this is going to work. You know, and first of all, we set it up as a three-way, which for two people who, like, the one girl to her first match, the other girl was, like, her first match back from an injury. And I was like, this is a horrible plan. But anyway, those are the cards that was dealt. So I was like, okay, here's what we're going to do, whatever. And I told them, for the heat, they're just going to roll out. And then whenever they see whoever pins, then they need to come in. Cool. That's your cue. This girl would not stay down. She would roll up to the outside, no sell everything. She pissed me off. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to get too mad. Maybe she, you know, she's greener and goose shit. Like, that's not cool. And then I saw her hanging out laughing and chatting it up. Immediately after that, I threw 37 forearms in this match to this girl. 37. I counted. <laughs> and I know I rocked her a couple of times. Then she went out to the match, no selling anything. Like, it was fine. And I was like, I'm going to kill you next time. <laughs> and that's not going to make her cry. Fantastic. But, again, look. <laughs> look, man, don't be stupid. And a lot of people try to, like, give me shit because I just laid into her that many times. I'm like, look, what was I supposed to do? And then, like, these are the same kind of dudes, too, that would, like, go out there and, like, legitimately hurt these green guys. And I'm like, I'm trying not to kill her. <laughs> Generally, I'm sorry. If you do something stupid and you get punched to the mouth, you go, oh, that's a bad idea. Better stop that. Apparently, she wasn't getting that. But, like, people like that, like, girls like that is what I hated the most about wrestling. Like, who told you you were okay? Because no one ever told me that shit. I had to earn my spot, and I don't know why this little twat thinks that showing up and flipping your blonde hair around to get you somewhere. Because it doesn't. Hello. Well, at this point in time, my co-host, Coach Mike, is with us. I'm sure Coach has questions for you as well, so I'm going to pass the baton over to the coach with the most. Hey, hey, Cameron. It's, uh, thanks for coming on. We're proud and honored to have you on to be a member of the Hall of Fame and to be on today. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, it's our pleasure. And then uh, we have some standard questions on the show. Sign Guy has confirmed he's had coffee with you, but he doesn't know what your favorite coffee to drink is. So that kind of depends. Depends on how tired I am. Generally, I like an Americano with cream and sugar. <laughs> but okay, if I'm no. tired, if I'm tired, just make it a latte with three shots of espresso and let's go. <laughs> and that usually works, I'm sure. Yeah, and like preferred place that the coffee is grown, Guatemalan coffee, if you've never had it, I recommend it. It's such a rich, deep, chocolatey dark flavor. It's wonderful. Okay, yes, I haven't had it. I will have to check that out. Okay, and then also, who were some of your heroes growing up, whether it was sports, music, wrestling, or ordinary life, or all the above? 
So Wonder Woman was the thing I wanted to be my whole life because I never wanted to be Barbie. I wanted to look like that. And just the idea of that character as a whole as, you know, being an outsider but still having to fit in and have this whole other thing that you can do and no one can ever know. I always felt like I was always on the outside looking in. So I thought if (laughs) they can tell this story with somebody that maybe isn't real, maybe I can make it real. Nice. Okay, yeah, and I just seen Wonder Woman yesterday, and me and my girl looked her up. That was between 75 and 79, and she's still going strong at 71 years old. Linda Carter, Linda yeah. Carter is beautiful. Oh, goodness, yes. Okay, what about in wrestling? So this is not really stupid, but I didn't watch professional wrestling before. I trained to be a professional wrestler. So I was never really, like, a fan. Okay. So what I did was look back at like with an educated eye. So I liked like, oh, well, I don't want to say like, okay, I admired the way that Ricky Steamboat could put himself as that baby face all the time and be cool with it. And like, that was really like his bread and butter. And I also appreciated that what made Ricky so beloved was because Ric Flair was so hated. Like it was, it was my goal to try to get stabbed coming out of a venue at least once because I wanted Ric Flair heat. Listen, okay. you're talking to the girl that once uttered the words, "Who the fuck is Ric Flair?" Because I legit didn't know. Okay, wow. <laughs> Did you ever get to wrestle in Mexico? Uh no. I wanted to, but my legitimate job did not allow me to do so yeah i never have either but i, I heard from randy taylor the randy the pimp taylor over here that in mexico you can get stabbed on the way to the ring <laughs> you can get thrown on you on the way to the ring in mexico like you hope that it's just warm beer <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah okay now did you play sports growing up or in high school i sure did i was a gymnast most of my life so i blew my knee out uh, and then I did cheerleading because that's, of course, what you do. Play a little tennis, a little track, but that's about how my sports career went. Okay. And then uh, what's your self-defense background before, besides those awesome forearms? Um, I did a little taekwondo. <laughs> uh, and also okay. growing up in a small town with redneck boys who think that they're entitled. That teaches you to take care of yourself pretty quick. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Nice. Okay. And then what were some of the most memorable matches you've seen and been involved with? Um, So, like, this is in person, right? This isn't like, or like watching it live. Either way. It doesn't matter. Okay. So, I will say matches that I've been a part of. Um. Uh, I was in the first ever women's casket match, so that was kind of cool. I just remember the girl that I was working with, and I was like, so we're main event. And she's like, no, we're not. I go, yeah, we are. And she was so, so worried about it. I'm like, nah, just another match. And inside I'm going, oh, please don't screw up. Like, we had a good time. Uh, the finish was not what I would have liked, but, you know, it's wrestling, right? Go do your job. Um I also got to do a one-on-one with 
Casey Carlisle, that was fun. When she was NWA Women's World Champion, that was a good time. Like, I think we had similar mentalities, so that felt really good. Um, so, managed a match with my then partner, brother, fellow Indiana individual, David Cole, with Eddie Tag with Rob Conway against Nick Densmore and our buddy TJ Kemp. It was a good time just because, like, it was so easy and the atmosphere was great. It was kind of exciting and fun, and I really enjoyed it. As far as, like, matches that I've watched, like, one of the most insane things I ever, like, watched back was from Japan. And this was, like, Bullet Club era AJ Styles. With Finn Balor, and it was when he was the Prince Devitt. I was like, holy mother of God, I wish my body could do shit like that. It can't, but I wish it could. Wow, um, yeah. But, I mean, like, that's kind of like the things that come to mind now. Yeah, what an honor to wrestle Casey Carlisle for, for the title. Man, how'd that go? Okay, so, you know, it's pretty back and forth. And, by the way, Casey was a baby face. Pause for effect. So I pinned her. I may or may not have had a hold of the ropes. <laughs> and they may or may not have restarted the match. And then I got pinned, which was totally crap. But no, really, that was a good time. Like, I, I was just glad to be out there with her. It was like somebody that I just didn't ever think because of like where she mainly wrestled, where I mainly wrestled, like that would ever happen. So I was kind of like, oh, this will be fun. At first, I thought somebody wow. was ribbing me. I was like, that's not happening for me. Shut up. Well, I'm going to have to look that one up. And so, hey, who were some I, of your favorite people? Who's some of your favorite people to work? God, you're going to make me sound like I'm name dropping. So, I, like I said, I got to work with, with Mickey Knuckles. I love Mickey to death. Like, me and Mickey had kind of, I don't know, some kindred spirit thing going on. Um, I loved her. Um, Thunder Kitty was always a good time. I love Thunder Kitty because it's a whole different thing to work with. Uh, I worked with Ruby Soho very early on in her career. I always had fun with her, did a lot of great things with her. I I was just glad because I, I knew from the first time I ever stepped in the ring with her, I'm like, that girl is going to go somewhere. Good for her. So I knew, like, my time was limited. Okay. I had some other girls that I liked, like, a girl named Destiny Blade, who was from Marion, who didn't really get around much. But, like, I enjoyed her company, and I helped her out. Um, I had fun when I wrestled people. Like, I got to manage Sean Cook a bunch of times. Sean was always a good time. Um, I worked with, wrestled with, flashed against Damian Cole. That was a fun time. I also worked against my husband, Brian Clash, many, 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 many times. And it was always fun just because I knew I could do what I needed to do. But I always kind of felt mm-hmm. like, no one's going to care about that. <laughs> okay. And then I would, I don't think I'm going out on a limb here. My next question is, who's your toughest opponents? I would imagine Mickey Knuckles would be one. Oh, yeah, Mickey was pretty tough. 
But the thing is, I always knew Mickey was going to give me all that she had. So, like, I didn't need to hold back. Near the end of my career, I wrestled with Paloma Star a lot in Indianapolis for Circle City Wrestling. And that, that was a good time because it very, very, very similar styles. And I love her, and she's so sweet, like, as a person. But she also wouldn't hold back. Um, Wrestling my husband was tough. I know it's going to really sound cliche, but because I knew he wasn't going to let me do anything half-assed. Like, and if I did, he'd be like, what the fuck was that? Like, you're way better than that. Why are you doing that? (sighs) You're right. (laughs) <laughs> it was just it was just tough because I knew the critique was going to be even harder than I normally would be. All right, nice, and it's really nice for our fans that we get to hear these other names that, of all kinds of different people that we can look up and check out to get recognition. So that's really nice. Also, what suggestions do you have for people wanting to get into the business? So, I'll speak mainly to some of the girls first, just because, duh. But, like, ladies, remember first and foremost that you are, in fact, a lady. Do not accept anyone treating you less than that. Don't let them treat you like you are pretty good for a girl. Fuck that for the girl things. You're pretty good, period. Know that you're going to have to be the hardest worker in the room and that sometimes People are just not going to ever get it. More people do now. But there's always going to be that small group of motherfuckers that always got something to say. And it's always negative. Know that whoever you date, talk to, message, whatever, that is going to get put everywhere. They're always going to turn it into something that it maybe isn't. If you want to stay in wrestling, you have got to understand that your life sometimes is their entertainment. Don't take it personal. But I also say to that, make sure you're careful. I mean, I get, you know, we all wrestle, right? Sometimes you're going to date who you date because you guys are in the same circles. Just know that sometimes when that ends, it doesn't go well. But, you know, always take care of you. Always take care of you. Travel together. And for the fellas, right. listen, if, if you guys are fortunate enough to have a lady in your training school, don't hold back on her just because she's a girl. Like, treat her okay. like one of your brothers because she is. Second all right, all, yeah. If, and, if you, and if you're on a show and you see somebody giving a girl a hard time, don't be an asshole. Like, be like, hey, man, that's not okay. Nobody wants to see that. Also, fellas, I am begging you begging you. Please carry a towel in your bag. No girl <laughs> yes. wants to see anything like that in the locker room. Don't be disrespectful. Many times I told somebody if I ever saw it again, I'd rip it off and feed it to them. Oh, Thankfully, they sure, listened. Yeah, I figured, yes. But, okay, you know, nice. Be good to each other. Be cool. Be respectful. Definitely. Don't be an asshole. Definitely. Okay, and then uh, have you got to work at Heroes and Legends? Nope. That was before my time. Like okay. That became a thing. That became a thing right after, let's call it a falling out. 
It's wrestling, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then uh, what schools would you suggest for people if you have any? Um, I know that New Era Wrestling in Shelbyville has a school. Um, they're pretty good. I know the guy that owns it. You know, we're pretty close for years. We're not, obviously, anymore, but it's at least some place where I know the ring is safe, the people are reputable, and you're not going to just get your money taken. Um, but that's, like, really most of the ones in the area that I would probably be okay with saying. Okay. And then... Uh... Uh, I know you're not wrestling anymore, but I still want to wish you all the luck in the world and all the success in the world. We thank you so much for coming on. I'm sure Signed Guy has some more. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Coach. Well, Cameron, besides being in the Hall of Fame, you're also a proud member of Team Bad Knees. We know the knees, of course, caused premature into the in-ring, but can you tell us a little bit on how the knees are holding up just in day-to-day life and how the health is generally after a successful independent wrestling career? <laughs> successful in quotation marks. Is it successful because I lived? <laughs> successful because you lived and because you helped a lot of people get to a lot of places. I mean, I hurt. Like, let's, like, getting out of bed in the middle of the night, which, by the way, sucks. <laughs> I never had to do that in my 30s. Why now? But, like, they hurt every day. They grind when I walk up the stairs. Like, it is just painful. Like, and I, I think every time I see some bad matches and I'm like, God, I need to, I should have never quit. And then my knees quickly remind me like, no, 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 you're good. We don't need that. But I mean, I can walk on them. It's just painful. Like it's gotten really cold in Indiana recently, like literally this weekend. It snowed yesterday. So uh, the arthritis has reminded me that they hurt really bad. I mean, I have arthritis pretty much everywhere. It's settled in my neck now. That's also a fun time. That's what they said. It'd be a fun time, they said. <laughs> so, little trivia for you, sign guy. I haven't been to a wrestling show since I went to the memorial show for Rob Kincaid. And then I did one favor for, like, Guy Lombardo, and I ended up working with him because my opponent wasn't there. But that's it. Well, that's been, like, three-ish years. Yeah, and I didn't, you know, bring gear or anything. I didn't even go out front. I, I, quote, managed... I managed a match with Brian because TJ Kemp wanted to work with him one last time before he retired, and he kind of wanted this whole CIWMD thing to happen. But, like, I remember sitting at Rob's tribute show, 
And I remember thinking, like, I was watching people whisper, and I heard my name. And I was like, I do not miss this. Like, I couldn't go sit in a locker room with people that I had been friends with for seven-plus years, you know, and talk about this, this guy we just lost that we all knew without somebody thinking that I was going to do something wrong. And then I was like, yeah, yeah. So every time that, like, people have been like, oh, you should come out, we'd love to see you, da-da-da-da-da-da. It's not because I didn't want to hang out with people that I used to be friends with. It's because stupid people want to start shit. Stupid. Yeah, absolutely. I would have come out and sat right next to you in the front if I was there, but I was unfortunately not able to make the memorial show. Well, you know me as a person. You know that I could give two fucks if someone's got something to say. And if you're going to whisper about me, then you're too scared to say it's my face. And my thing was, it's like, my knees already sucked, right? Like, I probably could have had surgery and kept on wrestling. That probably would have been fine. But literally, the shit like that made me not want to do it anymore. Like, I'm like, that's why no one wants to fucking do this shit. It's dumb fucking shit. Like, and furthermore, starting shit with people that aren't even fucking wrestlers. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, at the time, I'm like, we're all in our late 30s. Who who does that? It's got on my nerves. Got on my nerves. I can feel it for sure. Ow. Our listeners that have been with us for a long time probably know this, and long-time fans will know this. But the newer people may not realize you started out, uh, you mentioned being a cheerleader, but you, mm-hmm. when you got into wrestling, were sort of a cheerleader as well. That was one of your earlier gimmicks that you had when you were starting out. Do you ever mm-hmm. look back on the cheerleading and say, that's a long ways from where Cameron Starr ended up being? At the end of her career. Well, I look back at that girl, and I mean, I wish I would have told her, like, no, fuck them, do what you want to do. Like, it, it is a thing. I, I remember saying, like, hey, I don't want to do something, like, real character-y, so can I just be myself, just turned up, because I want to be a heel. And they said, oh, you're too pretty for that. I'm like, which is exactly why I should be one. Because <laughs> people hate that girl. I hate that girl. Who are you talking about? But the school that I came from, everything was kind of very character-driven. So, like, there wasn't a single one of us that was just basically somebody, you know, being themselves just turned up to 11. So, like, in retrospect, I was kind of a product of my environment, right? But the second, I kind of got away from that. Cool. I'm just going to do me now. And once I kind of got comfortable with being uncomfortable, if that makes sense, 
like, was pissing people off. Like, I tried to be really, really polite probably that first five years of my career. Like, I was polite, and I compromised on my rate a lot. Like, I just did not put myself out there. And, I mean, I felt like I got what I got, you know. And then I just said, fuck it. I'm going to do me and do what's best for me regardless of what that means or if people like it or not. And then that kind of version of me as a person just turned up to 11, kind of became Cameron Star, like just brattier and way more conceited. Because, <laughs> again, who likes that girl that knows she's pretty and knows she's better than you? Nobody likes that girl. So that's what I did. And I will have to say, I guess it kind of worked because people legitimately hated me. <laughs> I'm just glad, Brian even has... though it was a bucket list item, no one actually stabbed you. Listen, I really wanted it. <laughs> you have no idea. So, <laughs> Brian. Brian came with me to a lot of shows, obviously, because I don't see well at night, so driving wasn't really for me at night. But I also didn't like to travel alone, so he would just come with me, right? And a lot of times there'd be nothing for him. So he would just sit in the crowd, as you do. And I remember we were coming home from this show one time, in the middle of nowhere in Illinois. And he's like, I kind of hate you a little bit. And I was like, okay, what what I do this time? And he's like, you have this thing. And I don't know what it is. He's like, but that crowd was pretty quiet all night. And then here comes your ass. You didn't say not one word the second you came out that curtain. And you just looked at them and they were like, oh, I do not like this bitch. And immediately started doing. Like, I I don't know. I just, I was like, oh, did were they quiet? Oh, my gosh. He's like, no, they were. It's you. You have the ability to make this entire room hate you and you don't have to say a thing. That's a gift. I'm like, thanks. But I guess I started paying attention. <laughs> and I guess I kind of did have that thing about me. For sure you did. Now, you, in your own career, you didn't travel outside the Midwest a great deal, but you wrestled all over the Midwest part of the country. Indiana, Illinois, Ohio, Michigan. What would you say was your favorite place in all the places you got to wrestle, whether it was because you really liked the venue or the crowd was the way you wanted it to be or whatever reason? What was the favorite place? I had a couple places that I thought were really, really cool to wrestle in. Um I wrestled a lot of times in the Shriners building in Terre Haute. And Terre Haute isn't the greatest city, but the Shriners building is a cool venue to be in. Like, it's cool to be in. Um, I hated everything about Michigan. I did get to go to Alpena, Michigan one time, and we wrestled in a hockey rink. So that was cool. Like, because that's not something you do all the time, right? Um, let me see. I wrestled a show in Buffalo, New York once where the ring posts were way too tall 
and it was in like a VFW, but like there was basically no overhead clearance. Like you had to curl your feet in when you suplex people. That was fun. Um, trying to think of all the really cool venues. Um, I've also been a couple of cool places in Chicago too. Um, there was a place. It was a bar, and I can't remember what part of the outskirts of Chicago it was in, but it was a really cool venue to be in. Except the kind of like in between the locker rooms was like it used to be a kitchen, so it was kind of narrow in there. But I don't know, it it was a whole different vibe. Wrestled in a lot of schools. Those are always fun venues because however they stick you in the locker room always is an experience. And many, many years ago, when Sean Cook and Guy Lombardo were running in West Lafayette, there was this venue called Really Brothers. It's not that anymore. But it was this bar. And we had separate locker rooms for the heels and for the baby faces. And it was like I took a bump in the indoor volleyball sand court. It was fun. Like it was just a different vibe. That was cool. I liked it pretty well. Well, we are down to the last few minutes of the show and I did you have some American football to get to, so I don't want to hold you up yeah. as you go into watching that. But if you have anything you wanna say in closing floor is all yours. Well, as I think about, like, the 15 years that I wrestled, and, like, people I met along the way, I saw people, like, for all the bad things that happened because of wrestling, and for all the rumor that always happened because of wrestling, and for all, like, the sore body that I have now because of wrestling, I met some of the greatest people that I'd ever met in my life, like some of the coolest people like that I could ever know and like some of my close friends who I could tell anything to. I also learned the value of trusting my gut when it comes to if I think somebody's fake, then they're fake. And even now I'm like, man, I wish I could tell somebody about so-and-so because that's not who they are. But because I can't be like them, but I have to take the high road, I don't. So, you know, no matter how it is and how it ends, wrestling is part of my life. It always, was always going to be part of my past. And no matter what happened, it just is what it is. Cameron Starr, we appreciate you being on here with us as we celebrate our Hall of Fame members. You always are welcome here. You know that. And I'm sure I will be seeing you soon. Love you. Thank you so much for being here. All right. Love you. Bye. I'm going to get to my football game. Thanks. All right. All right, coaches. We wrap up nice and neat today. Some plugs, some promotions you got? 
Yeah, you guys can check me out at the Coach Mike Jones Show podcast every Saturday at noon. Uh, next Saturday, I had to reschedule Lewis Rock for part two of his interview about his time with Roddy Piper. Man, he's got a very interesting story. He's in the middle of writing a book, and he was just on Turnbuckle not too long ago also. And then also you can check me out at Coach Mike Jones, a coach with the most, Coach Mike Jones on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Don't forget to check out the Real School Army and the NGW Green Room for hundreds of interviews from wrestlers and people all over the world. And I also want to say thanks to our number one sponsor, A-plus Payless Handyman Services. No job too big or small, 10% cheaper than any written estimate, and 15% cheaper for military or seniors. And we thank you guys for all your love, vote, port, and feedback. Thanks so much. And thank you, Sign Guy and Cameron. All right. And fans, don't forget today in Hillsboro, Oregon, you can catch the DOA show. So make sure if you're in Hillsboro or the surrounding Portland Metroplex, go check out some DOA. And we will remind you that coming up on Friday, we have Dewey Murray out of the great state of New York. And one week from this very day, Troy Miller will be with us. Turnbuckle Turmoil Hall of Fame member Troy Miller. Some might remember him as Top Rope Troy if you go back to the PWI days. But he will be making his way back to the show. I want to thank everybody who came out last night to the show for CPW as we did some theatrical wrestling, except for that idiot Darth Card. I hate that guy. He was lucky I was reviewing the rule book for what theatrical wrestling rules were, or otherwise I would have rushed out there and punched him right in the mouth. But he is he lucky. Lost anyway. Do you have any results from that show? Um, I have some results, yes. Let's see. We saw... Um, Jeff Combs win back his grappling championship against John Rodriguez. We saw Christopher Rizek in a disputed win win the Rizek Fitness Challenge. You know T-Rex couldn't even do one push-up, Coach? Not one. <laughs> no, I didn't. My goodness. Yeah, he can't even do one, apparently. And then we saw uh, the team of Gregor Petrov and Goblin win by count-out somehow against Lance Dean and T.J. Robinson. One-Eyed Jack defeated Russell Valentine, and then J.B. Moonshine, despite a massive gash in his arm that was spewing blood everywhere, he defeated the ultimate guy, Dean Cooper, to retain his CPW title. So there was no Chris Marks and Coach Steele. There was not. Uh, Chris Marks was extremely ill yesterday. That match had to be postponed. Okay. Although right, the world is clamoring for a Coach Steele versus Coach Mike Jones match with special referee, the coach from WOW Women of Wrestling. Yes, we have been in the same ring in a battle royal at NGW. And, of course, it went good. But other than that, what is Chicken Bob up to? Well, Chicken Bob, he's making his rounds. He's posted on his gram. He's feeling much better these days. Um, you can find him on the Twitters, the YouTubes, the gram. 
the Book of Faces. He's all over social media. And how about the sign of the times? Episode 555 should be filmed and posted later. The loose plan was to film yesterday, but because of the logistics of the venue we had, it wasn't really conducive to that, so look for it later tonight. And how how do they contact you if they want some of your merchandise? They can get a hold of me on the Book of Faces, the Twitter, at SungaiHBW, the Grams there, the YouTubes. Uh, also, if you would subscribe to the YouTubes, it helps make Stompin' Steve's stomach a little less nervous. He gets a nervous stomach when people don't subscribe to the YouTubes, Coach. He does, and you got a thorough analogy of the Star Trek series. My goodness, you can't beat it. Absolutely, yeah. Well, All right. I think that will wrap it up nice and neat for today, but everybody get out there and support your local wrestling wherever it may be. I would encourage you to also go search out on the YouTubes some of Cameron Starr's old matches. A few of those clips feature me in there. I will be back with you on Friday and then, of course, a week from today. So everybody stay safe out there, and we will talk to you soon.